good to see students back. We've missed you guys. Um, thank you, thank you. Um, we've still got quite a few families uh, as well who are watching online, so welcome to you guys. Um, so we are starting on a new new series, which I guess is just building on what uh, what we were doing last semester. Um, I, first of all, it's, I want to apologize for my you know scruffy appearance. Um, I, 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 I've heard it said that men with beards are less trustworthy. So um, I've always, you know, remained clean shaven, you know, for that reason. Um, but my wife is traveling, which is a huge hardship uh, for all of us, especially Grace. And um, my, if I grow a beard, my wife won't kiss me. And so I never grow a beard, do I? Um, but she's away for two weeks. So I can play. So you know, I can't surprise her because we're on, you know, we're on FaceTime or something every day. But at least you know, I can try to grow a beard just to show Matt what a real man can do in ten days or so. Um, so, <laughs> um, so we, um, yeah, we're going to we're going to be going into a new series, um, uh, which. Thank you, Giselle. Cord. So the, the themes, the kind of two themes, uh, abiding with God and, and being activated in, in the things of the Spirit. Um, abiding, or to abide, and to be activated, uh, to activate what God has given us. Um, so in this week, we, we're going back to some of our, some of our core values. Um, I just felt the Lord saying it's time. We spent, goodness, months talking about living water, didn't we? Um, and the point of the Holy Spirit in us was never that we would just be filled with water to have a great time, and that's part of it, to be connected with him as the, the, the ultimate gift of God. But he, um, he called us to expand his kingdom and to, and to share his life to those around us. Um, but I'm just going to get us started on that tonight, okay? Um, and I'll, either, I'll carry, this, carry on with this um, next week. Um, and, that, and that's partly because I, I wanted to, well, I, I am going to say a few things um, that, I, that I felt God would have me say about um, things that have happened in the country over the last week. Um, this is a real wrestle as a, as a pastor to know when to engage uh, with things that are happening in the world and when to um, well, I teach politics, as some of you know. I have to think about this all week. Uh, it's my job, so I can't really avoid it. As my daughter said to me, you read the news too much, Dad. And I said, I know, and I wish I didn't have to. I started, I started um, I picked up my phone, I started getting angry with it, that I would have to look at it this week. Um, but, you know, the, the, my, my father, who was a priest in South Africa, and obviously growing up in that climate, my father taught me that Jesus always comes first and Jesus is always the answer and I, and I always encountered Jesus through people regardless of their wealth or their skin color. Um, but there were times when my dad would speak and my dad would act. Um, so my, my preference is always to keep this place sacred. That we come here to meet Jesus and we come here to worship him and I, I, have, little, I have little desire to talk about politics. So I do this reluctantly. Um, and I might, not, I might not say what somebody would like me to say. I might not say 
what you'd expect me to say. Um, and and part, of, part of my, my fear, obviously, is that um, politics is, is naturally divisive, isn't it? It's so easy to divide. Um, and unity is the most precious thing that Jesus calls us to as a body. You know, he says that you'll know, they will know that I'm in you if you're united. It's a precious thing that we have to protect. Um, and I, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm jealous of anything that would try and steal our unity. Um, and even before the service, we, we prayed um, against anxiety. Um, that some of us leave really anxious things behind when we walk in these doors. And uh, we like to keep the anxious stuff outside. But I believe that Jesus wants to break that as well. So we don't return to it, but that we experience freedom. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk specifically exactly you know, in terms of what happened last week and, and sort of criticize that. I, um, I've, I've listened to a lot of students, I've listened to a lot of colleagues, I've read the news obviously, and, and heard a lot of people sh shouting and saying things. And um, I think, I think I've, I've spent most of this week just weeping um, at how the country could get to where it is. And um, one of my students <laughs> is in the class, and yeah, we had a sh quick discussion about this week about what is American, what are the values of America, and it's depressing how there's few that we can maybe grab hold of anymore. Um, but I just felt a little want me to say a few things. So if, um, if you want to engage with me, with me privately, please email me, okay? You can, my email address is on the website. I'm very happy to answer questions and to, and to go into this in more detail. Um, but my, my purpose today is not to take sides. That's not what I felt the Lord saying, but I felt the Lord saying there are a few things He just wanted me to speak to remind us um, of the kingdom that we are called to represent. Okay. Um, the world around us, the systems of man, um, they seem to be more and more broken. And it's not just America. You know, I teach, I'm not an American political scientist, okay, so I don't understand America that well. I, but I, I do look at the world all the time. Um, and, I, and I see the good that America does. I see the bad that it does. You know, that's what this is about. But I see that the kingdom of man is, is shaking all over the world. And... Um, God calls us as Christians to expand his kingdom. He calls us to be involved in politics, and many Christians are involved in politics, and many of us engage in society in some way, and then we make a difference, and that is good. But all of us are first called to advance the kingdom of God. All of us are called to advance the kingdom of God. And all of us have the ability to do that. Right, so don't, um, don't deny the small things that, that you can do. And when I asked the Lord what are the, what are the things he wanted me to say, what were the sort of highlights of his kingdom, and this is, this is just a short list, okay, but this is what I felt him saying. First of all, not surprisingly, um, we humble ourselves and pray. Okay, humble ourselves and pray. It's so easy to think that our prayers have no power. It's one of the biggest lies that the devil throws at us and that the world speaks over us. But it is a lie. Again, okay, in previous sermons, I've talked about my, my you know, growing up in South Africa and the miracle that I saw there. And I, and, I, and I understand that miracle because my father was at the center of it. My father was meeting with Nelson Mandela. 
and FW de Klerk and the leaders of the ANC and the PAC. He was at the middle of it. The past that no one knew about. And he prayed. And there were so many Christians praying. And that was a country where um, we were taught to hate each other all the time. And yet, God overcame. God overcame. Don't be in any doubt. God overcomes if we all humble ourselves and we will pray. And we have to take the example that Scripture gives us and we have to pray like things are our fault. We have to pray like our hearts weep and are broken, like God's heart is broken. We own the sin and we own the chaos and we repent before the Lord. The second thing I feel the Lord saying, um, and these are hard, I know, but, and they, they, maybe they're easy to say, but they're hard to do. Um, love our enemies. Love our enemies. I think one of the reasons I wept the most this week was that I thought, with all that happened, I thought, now's the time. Now's the time we're going to see people in America, men and women leaders in America, stand up and say, enough. Enough of the finger pointing, enough of the accusations, enough of the division, enough, enough, enough. Look where it's getting us. And there's so little of that. There's some, but there's still too little. And the way of the world is to point fingers and to get into groups and to hate. And, you know, and social media and things are making that easier and worse. Um, and Jesus calls us to love our enemies. And this is rough. You know, I, I have a hard time just loving some of my Taylor students. Um, how do we love our enemies? And, then, and we, each have our, we each have things that capture our hearts, and it's not wrong that some things capture our hearts, because God gives us a sense of justice for some things. But, but I hate abortion, and I find it really hard to love those that participate in abortion. I, just, I really struggle. I, I've studied anti-Semitism and the struggling of God's people over 2,000 years, and I struggle to love those that spread anti-Semitism. And, and I've come from a racist country, and I, and I struggle to love those that condone racism. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And there's, there's no but. There's no exit to that command. If only they will do this, then I will. There's nothing. There's no condition. <laughs> he doesn't allow us that escape. He says, love your enemies. And this means, this means praying for them. And this means refusing to curse them. And I'll speak on this soon, I don't know, in the next few weeks, but I'm going to speak on blessing and cursing. I'm going to speak on the power of our words. Because they have power. And when you join in cursing, you add, you add to the hatred at the, at the supernatural level. It's not just natural. Right? Um, this is a supernatural battle. And, we, and, and our ability to pray and our ability to speak love brings the kingdom. Makes it a reality around us. And you might not affect things in D.C., but I tell you, your prayers can. But I guarantee you can affect what happens to the people that have come into contact with you. Like what, are you what are you giving off? What emanates from you? Is it, a, is it the spirit of God? Is it a spirit of love? Is it a spirit of forgiveness? Is it a spirit of grace? Or is it a spirit of anger and hatred? And God calls us love, love, love. And of course, we have to love our neighbors. 
It's the third thing. Love our neighbors. And I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. Um, but we have to have eyes to see those who are suffering. Again, those we agree with and those we don't agree with, but we have to recognize suffering. And suffering, our, our love, our love can't be dictated by race or religion or age or wealth, postal code, or anything else. Like we just, we love. We know scripture says, you know, we love because he first loved us. And love begins, love comes before people's sin, love follows after people have sinned. It precedes our sin, it follows our sin. We always have God's love. Nothing can break it from us. Nothing can snatch us out of his love. So let's extend that love to the world around us. And then fourthly, and this is something I'll probably preach on as well um, soon, um, and it fits into the others. Um, but don't take offense. Okay, don't take offense. And it, it's so easy. So easy to take offense. Um, I'll just say this one quick thing about offense. Um, sometimes we can be justified in our reaction. Okay, don't get me wrong, people can say stupid things. But none of us are perfect. God is the only one who's perfect. Like Jesus says, only God is good. Only God is good. If we, if we take offense, there's a really high chance that we are drifting into systems of power, into ways of power that are the world's ways and not the ways of God. Not always, but often offense is the opposite of love. When you feel yourself taking offense from what someone has said, ask God how he sees this person. Try and speak life over them. Speak correction where it's necessary. If the Lord gives you space to do that. But don't take offense. Don't speak out of offense. Don't speak out of power. Speak out of love. Those are the four things that I felt the Lord highlighting for tonight. Um, and maybe I'll come back to this. We'll see how things go <laughs> in the country. Um, when uh, Joel comes back to us out of quarantine, maybe we can have uh, another sermon from him as well. Um, another political scientist in the, class, in the, in the church. Um, but as, as I said, I felt the Lord saying, don't neglect the small things. We can get caught up in the, what's happening at the national level and, and, and those things we can pray about, but don't neglect the small things. Don't, ne don't neglect the life that you can bring to the people around you. Okay, and let's, and let's model the kingdom of God. As I said, if you want to ask me about any of that or you want to ask me other things, um, please email me. I'm happy to engage. I'll step back into that topic um, at some stage during the, during the spring. Okay. Um, as I've had more time to think and pray and to sense what the Lord is saying to us. Um, so, in the time I have left, I want to just launch into this topic of abiding. Now, um, the, reason, the reason we have the split personality in terms of Giselle's slide is that I just, I just felt the Lord saying, um, abiding in Him, 
right? Being in relationship with Jesus, being in friendship with him, connecting with him. This is the heart of activation, okay? This is the heart of operating in the gifts of the Spirit. This is the heart of expanding his kingdom. And so every now and again, I'm going to bring us back to abiding. I might preach next week, and then you know, in three weeks, I might bring us back to this. Because there's so much about it that I'm not going to deal with tonight. And some of it's hard and meaty. Um, and we'll get there. Um, there's things around surrender and obedience and things like that that are really important. But um, I felt the Lord saying, just, just start. Just introduce this idea. Uh, and I'm going to give us something to think about for the week. But we're going to keep coming back to abiding. We're going to keep coming back to what it means to be in Jesus. All right, even as we are pressing into growing in activation. All right, and, and by activation and the gifts of the Spirit, you know, really what we're talking about is just being little kingdoms of God running around. Okay? Hearing His voice and speaking life. You know, and if, if there's sickness, maybe the Lord will use us to heal it. If there's brokenness, maybe the Lord will use us to restore it. All of us will speak life. All of us can hear his voice. All of us can pray healing. Um, so as I start today, I want uh, just one, one, two bits of homework I'm going to give you tonight. So the first one, really, and these are nice homeworks, I promise. Um, uh, is there anything, is there any gift that you want to grow in? Um, I talked about this at the end of last semester for those who were here. Um, is, there, is there something in your walk with the Lord that you want to increase? And it could be a gift of the Spirit. You know, it could be healing or the prophetic or words of knowledge. Um, it could be I just want more intimacy with Him. I just, I just want, I want more of this abiding. Um, it could be I want, I, want, I want the fruit. I want, I want joy to be activated in me. That when I walk into a room, people encounter the Spirit of joy and are transformed. Um, so think about that. Let the Holy Spirit invite you uh, excitedly into pursuing something of his kingdom. Okay? And that's between you and him. Um, so, um, abiding, um, it's one of those topics. It's so simple. Matt, abide. Done. Cool. You know, I'm going to read um, John 15. Abide. Just, just abide. Simple. And, and then, you know, the more you press into it, the more you look at it, like, this is, man, this is deep, and it's weighty, and it's powerful. Um, I'm really just scratching the surface tonight. Um, the, the, the reality is that when Jesus talks about abiding and, he, and he's talking about us being grafted into him, about his life flowing through us, this is the, the, the foundation of our Christian life. Um, and so if you think that Jesus is doing something that's going to be the foundation for us being his kingdom, if we can do that and it's going to be easy or it's not going to be opposed, then, then you're wrong. Okay, this is... This is a profoundly important thing, and the enemy is opposed to it. And our flesh doesn't really like it when we first think about it. Because we do have to think about things like surrender and obedience. And there's, those can be a bit icky, can't they? But even as we talk about this activation, um, well, um, let me put it this way. You know, we can, we can know the love of Jesus. Like, we can read in the scripture, um, and we say, yeah, I know. 
You know, and I can go to Luke and say, Luke, you know, Jesus loves you. And it says that, here, I can show you. And that's powerful. And Scripture can transform people, and it has transformed people. But there's a difference between seeing something and saying, well, this is what it says, and actually knowing. So if I go to Luke and I say, look at what this says, and it's real, and I speak from knowledge that's here and not just here, it carries more weight. And the thing about abiding with Jesus is that, that, that river of life that we've been talking about, it starts to flow, and it flows by itself. We don't have to manufacture it. Because it's not just that we can tell someone about Jesus, we have to tell someone about Jesus. Why wouldn't we tell people about the best thing in our lives, the best thing in reality, the very purpose to life? Why wouldn't we share it? And so activation just becomes a natural thing that flows. Evangelism flows out of just knowing. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience when you've walked into someone's home and you, and you, and you just you know something's different. Have you ever felt this? Like you, you suddenly feel peace or joy. Well, that thing that's been bothering you, just like it, it went away. Has anyone experienced this before? That this, this home that you've walked into is a place where Jesus is honored and where he is sought after and where he's a priority. And he's just loved. He's not just tacked on somewhere in the day. And I feel like Jesus is saying, like, that's, that's what he's promising us. That's what he's, he's calling us to. That, um, that we're going to be like those homes. We are, the, we are the temple. We're the home of his spirit. We, we are going to be those places of peace and those places of joy. Places where a fence doesn't stick and people can experience love. So let's read John 15. There's so much here to read. I'm just going to read the first eight verses. It does continue. Um, your, oh, I lied actually, three pieces of homework. So your second piece of homework is please read John 15. One through, I think it's 12. Read it and read it 30 times. Please, read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. Let it soak into you, because Scripture is powerful. So Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean, because of the word which I have spoken to you, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. I 
like I said, read it 30 times, because I'm only pulling out one or two things here, and it's so rich. And there's some challenges here. You know, we, man, we can, we can spend a lot of time pursuing things and trying to do good and bearing fruit, but if we're not in Jesus, he says it's for nothing. It's not like a little bit of good, it's like nothing. I'm going to come back to that later, later in this series. If we look around the world today, we can see it's so evident that the world needs the, the kingdom of God. It needs this fruit. It needs disciples. The world doesn't need more Christians who attend church. The world needs disciples. Those who will bear the fruit of the kingdom and glorify the Father. Now this promise here, I am going to talk... Um, well, actually, let me just let me read this now. Actually, um, David talks about abiding quite a lot in the Psalms, and I'm going to talk more about you know surrender and and and, and our choices um, next week or or soon. Um, but I just wanted to highlight two of David's Psalms because he gives us some indication here. In Psalm 15, he talks about those who walk uprightly, who do not gossip nor do evil to our neighbors, who honor, those who honor God and those who are honest in their dealings. And in Psalm 24, he adds to these, and I'll read Psalm 24, just um, a few verses. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who, who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Isn't it great? You know, we think about the kind of charismatic things as being new, like seeking God's face and experiencing him. It's like, David, to seek your face, Father, to seek your face, to know, to know. So David gives us these things, and, and, I, and like I said, I'm going to talk about surrender. I'm going to talk about um, our choices. But Jesus makes it clear to the, to the disciples in the first instance, we are clean. We are clean. We are clean by his blood. We are grafted in. So as we, as we, as we talk about abiding, do not, do not at any stage, and as we talk about activation, do not uh, yeah, slip into striving. Okay, this religious idea that you can somehow get what you want out of God by twisting his arm, by being perfect, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Okay, do not get stuck in the lies that religion will pull you into. That doesn't mean he's not going to call you to fast. It doesn't mean he's not going to call you to give something up. It doesn't say he's not going to call you to press in in some way. But it's not about you. It's about him, and he has made you clean. Jesus gives us access to the vine. He grafts us in before anything else that we do. Um, and it's, you know, as the world around us gets more challenging, and again, I, I don't want to depress everyone, but I think it's, it's probably going to get worse. Um, I'll talk about that later. Um, we've... Um, We've talked about Isaiah, um, arise, shine, for your light has come. God's glory being seen more than the greater the darkness around us. 
And a few weeks ago, I read Psalm 91, and this is this wonderful psalm of protection, but it also talks to us about abiding. So I'm going to read a few verses from Psalm 91, again of David. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. In the last few verses, God responds to David. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. He doesn't say because you have sacrificed the required sacrifice, because you have fulfilled the guilt offering. He said, you, he says, you set your love on me. Because you set your love on God. And if there's one thing I think that summarizes, that captures the heart of abiding, it's that. Where we set our love on Him. Will we set our love on Him? Will we set our love on Him? I've just got a few more things to say, and then we're going to pray. Um, Jesus obviously says, Abide in, and that goes with the vine. This is not abide with, this is not just be my friend, this is not be my companion, I might turn up now and again. This is abide in. Abide in. And when, you know, Jesus, in, in John, on at least two other occasions, there's really important um, times that he talks about abiding. Um, one of them is in John 8, and I'm gonna, I'll talk about that next time I preach. Um, but the other is in John 14, 16. Um, again, read that this week. It's Jesus's, maybe my favorite scripture. It's hard to have a favorite scripture, isn't it? But maybe my favorite. But Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. The reality of him living in us. This profound thing. And he says that in John 14, 16, that before Jesus talks about abiding, before he talks about the vine, the first thing that has to happen is he has to give us his spirit. It's the spirit that unites us. It's the Spirit that does it. And if you want to not strive to know more of God, if you don't want to get stuck in a religious circle of exhaustion, you have to have the Spirit. Because He is the way. You're never going to get there in your own strength. Okay, and I say this occasionally because um, many of us think that when we, we say the prayer you know, to accept Jesus as our Savior, we automatically get everything. But Scripture is clear. Pray to receive the Spirit. Go on praying to receive the Spirit. It's never a once-off. And so if, you, um, if you've never prayed, Lord, fill me with your Spirit, or you've never had people lay hands on you, please do that. Grab someone next to you tonight. Do it when you get back to your dorm rooms or your home. Or come up to the front. We love to do that. But that's the first step in abiding, is having His Spirit in us. 
So very practically, <laughs> um, I say practically, I hope this is practical. <laughs> but setting our love towards God and start trying to step into abiding with His Spirit. Um, just this week, I, what I'd ask you to do is, is to start trying to get into a habit of turning your affection towards Him. Try Start creating a habit. Turn your affection towards Him. That might mean that you, you stop five minutes on your way to class for students. Um, for me, it's often, funny enough, and I think this is quite mean of him, just as I'm about to go and play a game of FIFA on the Xbox after a hard day, he says, you know what, I really want to talk to you right now. And it's like, dang, I've got to say yes to that. But I can say no, and I can go to play FIFA, and you'll, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, and we do that all the time, don't we, Larry? You know, and, and God doesn't have a scale. Fortunately, we're weighing how much time we, we spend with Him and how much time on the PlayStation. But, but that hard attitude of just sit, turning our face occasionally during the day. Um, you know, if you're married and you don't give your wife or your husband attention, I know they get irritable, don't they? Um, God doesn't get irritable with us, but He does miss us. I am... Um, I read this quote from A.W. Tozer. I don't know if any of you guys read Tozer. I love the guy. Um, he wrote this in 1960, which is almost laughable today. But he's writing in 1960. Okay. Modern civilization is so complex as to make the devotional life all but impossible. It wears us out by multiplying distractions and beats us down by destroying our solitude. David's declaration in Psalm 4 to commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still is a wise and healing counsel. But how can it be followed in this day of the newspaper, the telephone, the radio, and the television? No spot is now safe from the world's intrusion. Radio? News, have you read a newspaper recently? Um, I do occasionally, yeah. My wife orders them still from some nice places. But this is him writing in 1960 before cell phones. You know, and some of us are old enough to remember life before cell phones. Um, Tozer, this wonderful man of God who had such intimacy with him, saw the danger of the busyness and the distractions of life. And it's got so much worse. I wonder what he's thinking now. <laughs> but part of this Intentionality, part of this turning our attention to God, um, it is going to require surrender. It is going to require some sacrifice, and I'll talk about that. But my, my heart, my desire, and what I believe God's going to do is to make sacrifice easy. Like it, the exchange is unequal, and everything that we give up, we get a little bit of Him, and that little bit of Him outweighs whatever it is that we've given up. And that's going to be my prayer. Right, so your third bit of homework, final thing I'm going to say. So, um, I want you to find time this week to turn your attention to God. Um, I 
I'm not someone that spends a lot of time meditating, okay? So don't hear me the wrong way here. Something um, I've seen a lot of Christians do, and, and, and they always impress me. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough discipline, meditating quietly before the Lord for a long time. I'm very easily distracted. But I've... Um, I've talked a lot about the living water last semester, okay, guys, and this, this living water, that, um, it, it's in us, it's this well that flows out of us, this fountain of life that the Spirit gives us. But the river of life is obviously also that, that river that flows from the throne of God that we see in Revelations. Um, and some of us, you know, we experience, we experience God, um, we experience a bit of Him, and, we, and we're able to get into that river and we can step into it, and maybe we, we can wade into it, and we can experience more of Him. Um, but many of us, and especially in religious environments, we, we, we can start trying to swim against the current. We can start trying to make it about us again. Um, and so in the spirit of not striving, and I hope this makes sense, I want you this week to pray and ask the Lord to teach you how to float. Do, you ever, do any of you just float in water? I have a bad body shape for floating. I tend to sink, okay? I tried putting on weight and it still didn't help. My ankles are heavy or something, okay? I just sink. It's the skinny legs, I don't know. Hmm? It's the muscles, you're right, they dance, yeah. Um, and I, 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 I sense that for some of us, this is even religious activities. Okay, it's things that we, like, we feel we have to do. And they're good, you know, reading scripture and worshiping, they're, they're good things. But if, if, if we're doing them out of a desire to please God out of activity, I just, I just hear the Lord saying, float. It's time to float. It's not about you. I am the river of life. Stop trying to swim against the current. Step into the water and just ask the Lord, what does it mean for me to float this week? And he might just say, you know what, I just want you to be quiet. Oh, I want you on your knees and I just want you to worship me quietly. Well, I don't know what he's going to say to you. It's between you and him. But it's the opposite picture of striving, of swimming against the current, of trying to stay afloat. Let his life be buoyant under you. I hope that makes some sense. It might make sense if he starts to speak to you. All right. Let's pray. And then Matt can finish us off here. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pray. Um, let's just let's just practice that now of setting our attention on him. As we go through the series and activation, we will talk about even these simple things. Um, so, what does it what does it mean? You know, elsewhere, um, Tozer Tozer writes about abiding in God, and he and he talks about how it's real. It's not subconscious. It's not theoretical. It's real. As we abide in Him, we encounter Him. We experience Him. It's spiritual and it's natural. And we're not asking for anything that he didn't offer 
to us. So I'm going to pray, and then if, if Matt or Amanda has anything, um, we'll see what the Lord wants to do. So Lord, I pray, Jesus, I pray for each person here tonight, Father, for each one of your sons and daughters. For myself, Lord, I pray. that you would take us by the hand and walk with us over these next few months. King Jesus, you don't deserve, so you don't need us to do anything but worship you. You are deserving of our worship. But this was your idea, Jesus. It was your idea to fill us with your spirit. It was your idea to call us to spread your kingdom. So I ask, Lord, as we, as we start talking about your gifts and we talk about the fruit of your spirit and the fruit of your kingdom, Lord, that we're going to do all of that in friendship with you and in abiding in you. And I ask that you would meet every one of us Meet us in a way that we have never met you before. Whether it's experiencing you physically, whether it's hearing your voice, whether it's a realization of the reality of your majesty and your power and your glory. But take us deeper, Jesus. Let your life flow in us more as we seek to abide in you. And Lord, give us hearts. Give us hearts, hearts to pray. To pray for our world and to pray for our country and to pray for our communities and to pray for our friends, to pray for our enemies. Let our hearts be connected with your hearts. Let us feel what you feel. And let us, let us speak life. Jesus. Let us speak life. We ask this, Jesus, in your powerful and wonderful name.